Hello, and welcome to episode 93 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this is a week to be a Patreon. You got like a 45-minute like pre-show. Yeah. Yeah, we're Tons selling. of good content in there. Yeah. <laughs> now, for the actual show, the show after the pre-show, we're going <laughs> to focus on Planeswalkers, and we're going to try to get to the arena state of the game. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, the arena state of the game will be last month's state of the game by the time we get to it. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We're going to try to get there. Yeah. If you have ideas for the show or things you want us to talk about, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod on Twitter. Yeah, uh, this show, much like last week's, came out of our Discord. So if there's anything that you guys want to hear about, we got a couple ideas that I've added to the long-term list that I think we're going to cover closer to when we can start playing in paper again. So don't think we forgot about you guys that asked questions about playing in paper. I don't think right now is the time for that. So maybe when we get closer to playing in paper, we've got a couple episodes lined up. But until then, uh, if you guys got any show ideas, please don't hesitate to get at us. Uh, like Brian said, you can do that on Twitter. You can also hit up uh, hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can drop us an email at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Don't forget, if you're looking to pick up any singles, please use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link will get a small sliver of to help keep the show rolling. If you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Our patrons get early access to show notes. I try and post them up on Wednesdays before the show goes live. Uh, you also get access to, like Brian alluded to, our super long pre-show this time. We talk about kind of anything and everything. We don't get to see each other in person anymore, despite living a mile away from each other. <laughs> so yeah. we catch up before the show starts. So you get to hear some of that and, you know, off and on about whatever show we're going to make that week. Plus, you know, random goings on in the magic world and... This week we talked about your class. So yes, um, the disaster that that is. <laughs> so patrons get to hear all of that. I normally post that on Tuesdays. Sometimes that time can fluctuate a little bit though, depending on how busy Brian is. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, Casual Tryhard MTG on YouTube. Um, there's not a whole lot on there right now. We try and post content for it when we can, but we're just two regular guys that you know have work and families and time for a podcast and time to play magic and we don't always have time for uh making youtube content so when we do have time we post it up there so make sure you follow that youtube channel and as i mentioned earlier we also have a discord there's a link in the description there's a link on facebook a link on twitter if you can't find a link somewhere please get at us either on facebook or email or whatever and we will get you a link um, a lot of good discussion going on in there it's been kind of lively lately, so hop on over and lend your two cents. Tell us what kind of episodes you want to hear about, ask questions. Um, there's a lot of like deck advice going on in there lately, so don't hesitate to post up deck lists, that kind of stuff. We got anything else going on? Are you ready to jump into it? I think we're ready to jump in. Uh, on the Discord, though, I did put my best of one version of uh, the Neo Form Neo Storm deck oh, yeah, that yeah, I've yeah. been working on. So. Mm-hmm. I gotta move on to best of three now, which requires me to have more time. But this is <laughs> yeah, this is a, not gonna happen anytime soon. Yeah, this is a reasonable reasonable version of the best of one deck. Yeah, I I'm like I guess I'm plat three right now, but I only get like three. I get like my four wins, and I usually call it good. Yeah, so. I've been like hovering on the cusp of mythic. 
I have been one win away from Mythic for a week and a half now. Oh, no. It seems like every time like I lose, and then I pick up a win, and then I'll lose, and then I'll pick up a win, and then I'll lose twice, and then I'll pick up two wins. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that last win is always rough. It's getting me. All right. So this week, someone asked us to talk about Planeswalkers. Yeah, it was uh, no butt rice on our Discord. I, I am also not a fan of butt rice. I will just say right now. Yep. It does I, not sound good. I fully support the no butt rice stance. So uh, we thought, again, this kind of got uh, bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we thought we'd kind of talk about like why Planeswalkers are good, what makes one, like for evaluations purpose, what mm-hmm. makes a Planeswalker good, like... You know, it's like, why are Planeswalkers in general good as a card type? Then what makes specific Planeswalkers good? And then kind of go through different types of design and uh, try to identify when Planeswalkers are going, when a particular Planeswalker is going to be good. Yep. Talk about some of the different styles of Planeswalkers that are out there. Um, A lot of times Planeswalkers can kind of fit into a mold where there's a bunch of different Planeswalkers that you might be able to compare it to for evaluation purposes. And we'll also talk a little bit about like some of the best planeswalkers and what makes them the best. Yeah. All right. So why as a card type are planeswalkers good? Because they give you a mana advantage and usually some sort of card advantage too, but each of their abilities, you can kind of assign a mana cost to, even if you think like in terms of fractions of a mana cost, and you, when you look at a card, you kind of have to evaluate, you know, how many times you have to activate an ability to get your, you know, four or five mana back out of the card. Anything you do after that will kind of pay you back so that you're, you're gaining a mana advantage every turn. Uh, like we talked about a couple episodes ago in like tempo, Planeswalkers can kind of give you tempo that way because even if the ability wouldn't be by itself on a card... Like, it's still worth a portion of a card and some amount of mana every time you activate it. And because you can use them turn after turn, you get to build up an advantage over time. If you think about, like, draw a card, so, like, think about, like, Maze Mind Tome, Mm -hmm. right? To draw your first card with Maze Mind Tome, it costs you four mana. Right. Your second card, you've put in six mana, Mm -hmm. right? Your third card, you've put in, like, eight. So with a Planeswalker, (laughs) you play your... Uh, five mana planeswalker and you draw a card right so you're down a little bit of mana on maze mind tome then you draw your second card and now you're up one mana on what two cards would have cost you with maze mind tome right right not to mention whatever else that planeswalker can do but just like on the draw a card portion Mm -hmm. you are up mana just if you go plus twice on a five mana card and like maze mind tome is seeing like standard and i know modern play it's seeing play in modern yeah it's um getting played in like tron oh cool oh that's gross right you play it and you get to scry or you get to draw a card later in the game oh and it gains you life yeah to help you against aggro yeah it Mm -hmm. just kind of does everything for them so and another thing is like planeswalkers are normally two for ones right Um, Right. most of them will come down and 
a lot of them have some way to protect itself, whether they bounce a creature, destroy a creature, tuck a creature, make a block or whatever. You can account that like one for one for a card, and then they have to answer your Planeswalker. Yeah, so they give you immediate value, and even if your opponent answers them, you're still up cards in the exchange. Right. Right. A good Planeswalker will warp the game around itself, Mm-hmm. So the game stops being about attacking you and your life total and dealing with your creatures. Right. And it becomes all about dealing with the planeswalker, either mm-hmm. because of the like incremental advantage you get from it just being on the battlefield and you getting to like plus it or minus it, and combined with the march towards the ultimate. Right. Where, you know, you're going up and you're getting advantage, but if you're able to get to, you know, the ultimate you're going to win the game kind of on the spot. So like, think about mm-hmm. like an Ugin and you're like, you're plussing it and your opponent might have to attack it for like one so that you can't ultimate it. Like it's right. not a good attack, right? It really doesn't do anything. Your Ugin went from like 10 loyalty to nine yeah. or whatever, but they had to attack it for one or you were going to ultimate it the next turn. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if you're in that situation, it's not a profitable attack, too. Like, in order to get in for one, you might have to sacrifice some other creature. Yeah, because you're like, this can't ultimate. So, like, you have both the advantage that you're getting each time it's on the board, plus the threat that Mm -hmm. you're going to ultimate it and just win the game. Yeah, I mean, even if there's not an ultimate, think about how many times your opponent cast a a three-mana Teferi, and... The only thing you did for the next two or three turns was attack that Teferi because you can't play at sorcery speed. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you have to deal with it. Yeah. So they kind of warp the game around them and like kind of change the rules of engagement, and that usually favors the person with the planeswalker. Yep. And then finally, they're just generally a difficult to interact with card type. Yeah, especially like as formats get older because planeswalkers haven't existed forever so a lot of the old standard removal spells you can't use them on a planeswalker because they weren't designed with planeswalkers existing they yeah they don't say planeswalker on them yeah so there's a lot of cards i think uh pernicious steed is a good example that has like a laundry list and it's like destroy all creatures artifact enchantment Right. With converted mana cost X or less, but it doesn't say Planeswalker. Right. right. Same thing with, um, it, I mean, not that it's relevant in most formats, but in Commander, uh, Jackalops, it's like four red, red, bury everything but Planeswalkers, destroy all lands, creatures, enchantments, artifacts. Yeah. Planeswalkers didn't exist, so it leaves Planeswalkers alone. Yeah. I mean, in, in the other side of that is like show and tell, laundry mm-hmm. lists, but you can't put in a Jace. Or a Planeswalker, because it doesn't say Planeswalker. Right. Right. So, you know, just cards like that, there are times like they just miss things. And they reworded the Planeswalker redirect. Well, they changed the Planeswalker redirection rule. It used to be that if a card, if it, if a card said deal damage to a player, you could target the player and then say, I actually want to deal this damage to your Planeswalker. Right. But when we switched to Arena, that didn't work well on Arena. It was extra clicks. It was extra clicks. So they just made it so now cards say like any target or sp- or specify or laundry list their targets. 
creature right. or player, creature or planeswalker. So yep. if you have a spell that doesn't deal damage to a planeswalker, you can't interact with it. So like Lava Coil, mm-hmm. right, didn't deal damage to planeswalker. So if you're playing against a red opponent who is going to bring in Lava Coils, you could bring in your planeswalker and then they can't deal with it. Right. And also like you can block for it. Like you kind of have control over if it dies or not. Right. Right. As long as you have creatures. Yeah. As long as you have creatures, but like, you know, it's not like they can just attack the planeswalker and you can't do anything about it. Like you still get to block. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it a lot harder to get to because you've Mm -hmm. like limited the number of spells that can like deal with it. Yep. And you still, it still has all the protections that the player does. Yeah, it, it's also awkward because like sometimes your opponent has to split attacks where like they need to do something about your life total, but you have a Nissa who shakes the world on board. So they need to keep applying pressure to your life total, but also they have to do something about this Nissa and they have a 3-3 land in play. It makes for awkward decisions for your opponent. Yeah, you They've have to put enough pressure on the planeswalker where, you know, it's going to die. But at the same time, they still need to pressure your life total. Yeah, and to like make that attack, they probably have to throw a creature away into right. like your land or whatever thing that you got from your Planeswalker. Yeah. All right. So when you're evaluating Planeswalkers, like what, how can you tell if a Planeswalker is going to be good? And this first one I added to the list, I'll talk about it mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And that is that a good Planeswalker is self-contained, mm-hmm. meaning that it does everything you want a planeswalker to do and it doesn't need another card type on the board or associated with it. Yeah. So if you think of like from Theris Beyond Death, like Calyx. Yeah. Right. Calyx needs you to play enchantments. Right. And only can remove a creature if you have an enchantment on the battlefield. Right. Right. So He's not self-contained. He can't do everything that you need him to do mm-hmm. without other card types in play. Mm-hmm. Where if you look at Ashiok Nightmare, is it Nightmare Muse? Yep. New, yeah, Nightmare Muse, right? It pluses and makes a creature. You didn't have mm-hmm. a creature, it made you one. Right. It downticks and bounces a permanent and makes your opponent exile a card. Didn't need anything else to do that. Right. Right. It just everything that you want it to do is all rolled up into that one card. So the planeswalkers that often fall flat are the ones that are like put counters on a creature. I was just going to say like every Ajani ever printed. Yes. I had that written somewhere else that it's just like, it's like, (laughs) like planeswalkers that didn't get there. Every Ajani ever printed. Yeah. Because. All that it wants to do is put counters on things. Like every Ajani just wants to put counters or on things. Gain life for the number of creatures you control. I don't control any creatures, so the plus one does literal nothing. I paid four mana to do literally nothing. Right. Well, you right. paid four mana to add a loyalty to your planeswalker. Like I said, literally. <laughs> um, okay, practically nothing. Figuratively yeah. nothing. There we go. And you do, so you. You don't have to rely on another permanent play. You don't have to like build your deck in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Liliana, untouched by death. Right. Right. She Wanted was like, play zombies. play zombies. Well, that doesn't work. Yeah. Like now you're limited to, are the zombies good enough? Not, right. is this planeswalker good enough? Yeah. Are the zombies around this planeswalker good enough? 
Mm-hmm. So and like, there's a bunch of examples of that too. Yeah. So it really comes down to does the the planeswalker just like purely on its own say, I don't need any help, I'm just powerful. Yep. And then you also have here that the planeswalker I'm I'm gonna say has to apply pressure. You have it here as can't be ignored. And not so much pressure as in, you know, damage to your opponent, but it has to like apply pressure to the board state. Like if you're, you know, drawing a card every turn, that's not something your opponent can let happen or else they're just going to get buried. You can't make a creature every turn or eventually your opponent's going to get buried. They gain an advantage over time that if your opponent ignores it, they don't have a chance of winning. Yeah. Like, and there are some planeswalkers that, you know, if you think about uh, the old Sahili Rai from mm-hmm. Kaladesh. The plus was like scry one, deal one. Yeah. I th- right? And that yep. wasn't enough pressure. Like you could just be right. like, fine, like you paid yeah. three mana to deal me one damage. Cool. I'm going to attack yeah. you for four. I don't care. Well, I mean, going back to the last thing also is that like that Sahili specifically wanted your deck to be built a certain way. Yeah, wanted you to have so, artifacts. Yeah, n- not only is it, you know, not applying pressure, but it also forces you to build your deck a certain way. And yeah, I mean, it's a combo piece, but outside of that combo piece, it really doesn't see any play. So just like it has to either like gain you advantage each turn or the ultimate has to be so impactful. Yeah. Right, and like sometimes like the advantage can be small, like the the Kenris. What are they? What's their card? Is oh, it just, uh, Royal Scions. The Royal Scions, right? Like looting, it loops, right? Yeah, looting yeah. is enough of an advantage that like you can't totally ignore it, and the ultimate is powerful enough that you can't totally ignore it. Right. Right, but you know, like if your opponent was at like eight and you had mm-hmm. like a three power creature, you'd be like. I might be able to race this for three turns. Right. Yeah, the advantage that they're going to get over three turns probably isn't enough to matter. Yeah. But, like, a card that, you know, is drawing them a card every turn. Right. Or, or like, making a creature, you're like, oh, I have to deal with this or I can't keep up. Right. So you want to look at your Planeswalkers as something that just can't be ignored. That's giving you enough advantage that your opponent, again, has to warp their game plan around it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're gonna I'm gonna put on my lore hat for a second. Okay. All right. So in the lore, okay. there's this thing called the mending. There were time holes and the time holes got sealed up or whatever. I don't know. Right. Yep. But there are pre-mending po- planeswalkers and post-mending planeswalkers. The pre-mending yes. planeswalkers were super duper powerful, godlike figures. Mm-hmm. After the mending, they got weaker right. and not nearly as powerful. Mm-hmm. I feel as though we've done the reverse in the actual gameplay. So <laughs> we have our... So we had a mending recently or an unmending? An unmending. So let's say like pre-2019, there was kind of a stock Planeswalker design that ha- that like at least one Planeswalker every set kind of yeah. followed this design and it was usually the good playable Planeswalker if the, you know, if the rest of the colors around it supported it right right and then after 2019 our planeswalkers got a uh, godlike powers and uh <laughs> took over everything we're looking at you oko yes we're looking at you buddy elky boy so the like 
pre-2019, like, stock, playable in standard Planeswalker Mm -hmm. was five mana. Like, that was just kind of, like, the default. Yeah. Like, that's when your Planeswalker was good. Yep. And it had, like, the same, some combination of, like, two abilities, Mm -hmm. right? The first was generically protect itself. Mm -hmm. And how did these Planeswalkers protect themselves normally? Either destroy a creature or bounce a creature. Um, sometimes they'd bubble a creature where it you know doesn't take or deal combat damage for a turn. Um, sometimes they give like power reductions. Like uh, was it Jace Architect of Thought was like neg, neg one nego or neg or neg two nego to the team or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, or especially with like green planeswalkers a lot of time they'll like just make a creature that blocks instead of like outright destroying something just put a body in the way something to protect itself so that it'll survive until your next turn when you have mana up to protect it yeah and usually it depends because they're like kind of all over the place but the things that removed a creature from the board Mm -hmm. in this way were usually minus abilities Right. It was usually like minus kill a creature, minus bounce a creature. The things that like bubbled or created a creature, usually mm-hmm. those were pluses. Mm-hmm. But the like hard, per- the the hard like remove a creature from the board protection abilities were typically minuses, usually minus two or minus three. Yeah. For like a bounce or a destroy. Right. The other form of protection I have on here is one that I feel like they started doing more recently, but kind of happened also like pre-2019 as well, which is if you have a high loyalty, right? Right. Like if you're a five mana planeswalker and you come down with five loyalty and you tick up to go to six, Mm -hmm. that's a whole lot of damage you have to eat. Yeah. That was kind of Gideon template for a while, right? Didn't he always have really high loyalty and then like a bunch of loyalty? Yeah. Oko, a post-2019 Planeswalker, but he yeah. was like the, the biggest offender for this. It was like he started at five and you could plus two him. Right. And it's like, how am I killing a seven loyal planeswalker, seven loyalty Planeswalker? <laughs> like the ever. The answer is you're not. Yeah. Well, on turn five, maybe. On turn three, never. Right. Right. So then the other thing was these Planeswalkers typically had a way to accrue card advantage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, did... whether it's drawing a card or forcing a discard, like the kind of the opposite of card advantage, or like we were talking about earlier, making a relevant creature, I'll say. Yeah. Um, there are Planeswalkers that make tokens that aren't really relevant. Like I think Dovin Bond makes Thopters and Nissa Voices Endicar. Yeah, Voices Endicar. She makes plants. Oh, one plants. Yeah. Not super relevant, but like something that makes an actual creature. Like Garrick always makes beasts, three, three beasts. That's, that's a relevant, you know, token, something that matters as the game goes on. Yeah. And these, the draw card, the discard or making a creature, these are normally plus abilities. Mm -hmm. So you're gaining your advantage, making your planeswalker more difficult to kill. Right. And, marching towards your ultimate and the ultimate we've mentioned a few times right is usually some large minus ability that usually has an effect that if it doesn't just outright say win the game 
It, it'll win the game in short order. It'll win the game in short order. Now, they've toned down some of the ultimates recently for some mm-hmm. cards, but yeah. for the most part, it's usually like get to nine loyalty or eight plus loyalty and then tick me down and you'll win the game. I'll, you'll exile their library in their hand. Right. You'll like exile their library in their hand and make their graveyard their library. Um, right. You'll draw 15 cards and deal 20 damage or something like you just, mm-hmm. it's just craziness or like it, it'll just be like you win the game. All your creatures get plus five, plus five and trample. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. The examples of this, the stock example, the right. like, you know, the example that everyone kind of just went to was Obnixilis. Right. We have Obnixilis reignited. Which mm-hmm. is the battle for Zendikar Ob? It is, yep. He's uh, three black black, uh, five loyalty when he enters. You plus one, draw a card, lose a life. Neg three, destroy a creature. Neg eight, your opponent gets an emblem with whenever a player draws a card, you lose two life. So an ability that gains an advantage over time as a plus. An ability that destroys a creature, uh, protects itself as a negative. And then an ultimate that will win the game within a couple turns, usually. Yeah. So for a while, the kind of the joke was that every planeswalker was Obnixilis. Yeah. Because Obnixilis always had like plus draw a card, minus kill a thing. Right. Then alt win the game. And so that was kind of the the joke is that every five mana planeswalker followed the same templating. Mm-hmm. So then we had Vivian Reed, which was like, look at the top three and put a creature in your hand or a land uh, creature or land. Four. Yep. Four creature, creature, or land. creature or land. So yep. like better than draw a card. Right. Minus three, destroy a creature with flying, an artifact or an enchantment. Yep. And she was two or three green green for five loyalty, right? Correct. Yep. And then her minus, was it minus eight? Minus eight. Yep. It was all your creatures get plus two, plus two vigilance and trample. You get and an emblem and indestructible, right? Yeah. And you get that as an emblem. Yep. So like, that's another one that's just like, oh, I'm going to go up and like bury you in card advantage. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm also going to just make all my creatures giant. Right. And indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. We already talked about Ashiok Nightmare Muse. The, the plus isn't a card. It's a two, three body, which is worth a card. Mm-hmm. Right, sometimes it might not be as good as a card if you're like, if like a two three body doesn't really matter on that board. Yeah, but it's basically a card. The minus is you know, again remove a thing, and then right. the ultimate is cast a bunch of spells for free. Right, basically so, win the game. Basically win the game. Next is your boy. Yeah, my boy Angry Angrath. Uh, Angrath the uh, Flame Chained from Ixalan, I think. It's a uh, three black red. Four loyalty, uh, plus one. Each opponent discards a card and loses two life. So some form of incremental card advantage. Uh, neg three is gain control of a creature till end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste till end of turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step if it has converted mana cost three or less. So a way to protect himself. You know, only from low CMC stuff, but still a way to protect himself. And then neg eight. Each opponent loses life equal to the number of cards in his or her graveyard. Yeah, so going up, put cards there and hurt them, and then the yep. ultimate just finished the job. Yep. And then my my boy from that time, 
Ral is it Viceroy, five yep. mana is like plus like find an instant or sorcery off out of the top two right. Look top three, yep. Put one in your put a card in your hand, one in the graveyard. Minus three was deal damage equal to the number of instants or sorceries in your graveyard to a creature. Yep. And then was it minus again? Is it eight? Yep, minus eight. It's like you get an emblem where like whenever you cast a spell, you like draw a card and deal damage or something. Yeah, uh, deals four damage to any target, and you draw two cards. Yeah. Again, win the game. Basically. Right. But, like, going through all of these, it was all, like, plus one, I got a card, minus three, I killed something, then I won the game. Right. And those were, like, your, like, the standard playable, like, playable to, like, good right? standard Planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, Vivian was the best Planeswalker. Well, I know. I guess Teferi was right there, but yeah, Vivian was very good. I didn't put Teferi in here for a very special reason. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. So then, you have like, so when so f- if five mana is our baseline for a playable planeswalker, anytime we get a mana cost kind of below that, where <laughs> we get to keep, where we get to keep most of, if not all of these abilities of gain some card advantage kill a thing, have a game-winning ultimate, yeah. those cards become really, really good. So the four mana cards that are like, the four mana Planeswalkers that are in this mold mm-hmm. are ones that see like legacy play or modern right. play. And so yep. the first is Chandra Torture Defiance. Mm-hmm. And she... It's like Red Jace, right? People it, called her the Red yes. Mind Sculptor. So... Jace was the first. Jace, the mind sculptor from Zendikar, was the first planeswalker to have four abilities. Mm-hmm. And then Chandra is the third because, like, a big eight mana Garrick. Yeah, yeah big Garrick. Yeah. But she only costs four mana, two red, red. And it was like plus exile a card. And if you don't, you can cast it. And if right. you don't cast it, you deal two to your opponent. Mm-hmm. So it's card advantage plus, like, life total pressure. Plus gain two red mana. Yep. Minus three was deal four to a creature. Yep. Protect itself. Yeah. So you started with four loyalty, so it would go down to one, right? And then yep. the ultimate, I think, again, was minus eight. Minus seven. Minus seven. And you got an emblem that whenever you cast a spell, it dealt five. Yep. Yeah. So to any target. To well, any target. Creature or player. Yeah. So, like, she's just all those five mana planeswalkers we just described with one mana taken off of her. Right. Yep. It's right. just great. Just an amazing card. So that's something you can look at. It's like, oh, if I'm below five mana and I'm still getting the protect myself card advantage game winning alt, yeah. like that card's got to be really good. Yep. Next example you have here is a little bit different, but it's a Gideon ally of Zendikar. Saw play everywhere was, you know, people were, clamoring for a ban on Gideon for a long time. Um, still pops up in modern decks. Um, I don't know if he sees legacy play, does he? I don't know. I feel like it's a card that like out of like death and taxes sideboards, you see one every so often, Yeah, maybe. but it's not like a, it's not like it's just a like standard staple card in those decks, but yeah. Yeah. It's a two white, white for four loyalty has a plus one until end of turn. He becomes a five, five with indestructible and prevent all damage that's dealt to him this turn. Um, so he turns into a giant beat stick. 
uh, zero, so not a plus or a minus, just a zero ability. You make a 2-2 white knight ally creature token, and then neg four, you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So this one's a little bit different than the standard template, but his plus one is going to apply a whole lot of pressure. His zero ability, like if you can just protect him and he just makes a 2-2 every turn, that's amazing. And if you get to a point where like the 2-2 is not good enough or you know he's going to die the next turn or whatever, you can neg four and you get an emblem that gives all creatures you control plus one, plus one. Uh, it's important to note that you can't interact with emblems. So you could just cast Gideon and immediately cash him in for his ultimate. And for the rest of the game, all your creatures have plus one, plus one. That also was really good because you could play four of him in a deck and yeah. you could never get them stuck in your hand because you yeah. could just play it as like a four mana glorious anthem. Right. And so you could just be like, oh, mm-hmm. I have two Jaces in my hand. I'm going to play the first one and zero it. And then next turn, I'm going to ultimate it and then play the other one and then right. zero it. Now I'm making three threes for my zero. Yep. Right. It is a little different, but like at four mana, it did enough. Yeah, it does most of the things that, you know, we were just describing. Right. And then uh, Veraska Golgari Queen is two green black for loyalty. You plus one, you sack plus one, right? Or plus two. Plus two. Plus two. You sack something, gain a life and draw a card. Yep. Minus three, you destroy a permanent CMC three or less. Yep. And then, I don't know, is it minus eight again or minus seven? Minus nine. Minus, oh, geez. Minus nine. Like, is it the next time you deal damage? You're cre- no, they go to one life, right? Uh, that's the old Vraska. Uh, this one, you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, they lose. Okay. So creatures you control get player death touch. Right. And so, again, this has a source of card advantage. Right. In air quotes, right? You sack a permanent, but like, you know, you sack a land and you get a fresh card. Or you sack a token or whatever. Yeah. You have a way to kill stuff. Yep. And three CMC things are, you know, relevant on turn four. Right. And then you have a way to win the game. Yep. Now, her win the game ultimate requires you to have some creatures in your deck, mm-hmm. but that's not too, too bad. And so, like, these cards all see play in older formats because they have, they have like, all the abilities you want from a five-mana five Planeswalker or close to it, but for four but, mana. Yeah, they shaved a mana off. Right. Now, we have the, the, the broken ones, which <laughs> anytime they print a Planeswalker at three mana, you have to think, is it busted? Yeah, pay attention. Like, this is where they make mistakes. Right. So well, th- this is where there's the most opportunity for upside. Like, the, one of the first, when we first started talking about Planeswalkers tonight, um, I said that you, you can kind of relate their abilities to gaining you advan- advantage. And this is where you see that pay off almost immediately. A lot of these, you know, three-mana Planeswalkers, you get an ability that would cost three mana instantly. Yeah, you get your mana all from there. Yeah. Yeah. So you have Oko, Thief of Crowns, Mm -hmm. one green, blue, five loyalty. So, like a huge amount of loyalty. Four loyalty. Is it four? Okay, four. Yeah. Right. And then you 
can plus to it. Yep. And just get a food, which mm-hmm. doesn't protect it, but going to six loyalty on turn three or turn two with a Gilded Goose, like huge. Th- that's just unkillable. Like, think of how many times your opponent has dealt you six damage on their turn three. Right. Like, very rarely. Right. Right. So he's just giant. So he protects himself by plus twoing. Mm-hmm. Right. His other plus one protects himself by turning a scary creature into a three three. Yep. It also makes your foods into pressure. Yeah. It also then protects itself by you know, turning that food you made the first time into a 3 3. Right. Right. And then minus five, no one ever does that, but you can like swap your thing for one of their things. Yep. Right. So all in all, it does everything, right? It protects itself, it gives mm-hmm. you a source of advantage because those food become creatures. Or they become your opponent's things. Yeah. Or they become your opponent's things. And it also protects itself by like, oh, you have a questing beast. No, you have a 3-3. Three, three. Right. Right. So it kind of does everything that those five mana planeswalkers did. Like, right. it's maybe a little hidden, but mm-hmm. it does all the things. But Sneakily. it does it for three mana. Yeah. Then we have the other busted planeswalker <laughs> yeah ren and six uh not three mana this one's just two mana it's a red and a green comes in with three loyalty has a plus one return one land card from your graveyard to your hand so that's a source of card advantage uh neg one it deals one damage to any target on turn two when this thing comes down that is a form of protection because a lot of times you're killing off you know whatever they played on turn one which usually only has one toughness and then neg seven is you get an emblem with instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard have retrace. So it's a alt that will eventually win you the game when you get to start retracing your lightning bolts after returning lands to your hand with its plus one. So retrace for the uh, unold. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Is when you can cast a spell from your graveyard if you discard a land. Right. So you discard a can- land, and then you can cast a spell from your graveyard. It doesn't exile the spell. It just stays there. Yep. So every time you draw a land, you're effectively drawing a spell once you have mm-hmm. the the ultimate. And right. like ticking up to the ultimate, you filled your hand with lands. Right. So you have fuel for the to retrace. And if you have three lands in your hand and three mana, you can cast that lightning bolt three times. Sure can. So um, Also... Like the jump from three mana to seven isn't instantaneous when you're only going up by one every turn. So it takes a while for you to like get Ren and Six up to where he's ready to ult. And what I have found casting a whole bunch of Ren and Six is that normally by the time you know you have one that's ready to ult, you've got a second one in your hand. So you can just ult it, plop your second one down, bring a land back into your hand, and then, you know either cast a removal spell or lightning bolt or discard spell or whatever out of your graveyard with the land that you just got back. Yeah, and like the reason that Ren and Six is banned in Legacy is because that minus to deal one damage Mm -hmm. just like invalidated like half the decks in the format. Right. Because there's so many creatures that are like utility creatures and on death and taxes or delvers or just random little things. 
mm-hmm. that have one toughness that like the deal one damage is actually like a meaningful right. line of text. Yeah. Also like wasteland loops are just miserable. If you yes. can get your wasteland back every single turn and just keep your opponent off of every land they ever play, then that also is very good. Yeah. <laughs> then we have a uh, Liliana, the last hope. Yeah. So this is uh one black, black, for is she three loyalty or four? Three. Three, okay. And it's plus one. Give yep. something neg two, neg one till yep. uh your next turn. Right, so it's not just till the end of turn. So it protects her because it can maybe kill something that has mm-hmm. one toughness, but it also makes whatever they have smaller. Right. So it's harder for them to deal damage to her. Minus two is mm-hmm. you mill two and then you get to put a land or get to put a, a card back in your hand or a creature a uh, creature from your graveyard so creature not just graveyard. one of those two yeah, yeah so you just get you get the mill two and then you look at your whole graveyard and then i don't know what the neg is I would, I don't uh, know. Y- you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step you make x two two zombies where x is two plus the number of zombies you control yeah how about what is the minus minus oh minus seven okay Uh, i remember the emblem part i just didn't remember the the minus so again so the plus is protect yourself maybe kill a creature or at least like make something smaller the minus is card advantage Mm -hmm. right like it does have a slight deck building constraint of you have to have creatures in your deck so like unless you're playing in like a hard control deck you have creatures in your deck yeah but i mean even like hard control decks sometimes play Liliana. Yeah. And then the alt just wins you the game eventually. Yep. Usually within a turn or two. Yeah. They get sad. And they're like, I don't want to do yeah. this anymore. <laughs> right. When you start making like four, six zombies or whatever, that's. Yeah. You go two, four, six or whatever. It's like, yeah. oh, wait, you have 12. Well, zombies. no, you go two, four, eight, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Yeah, like, oh, that's too many zombies. Yeah. And then I put Teferi Hero Dominaria here. I know his casting cost is uh, three blue-white. Right. But since the plus is draw a card, untap two lands. It might as well be a three-mana planeswalker. Yeah. Uh, For the old, I said that this has the Sarah Avenger text. Yeah, where you can't play it until turn five. Yeah, Sarah Avenger is... White, white for a 3-3 three, three flying first strike or flying something? Lifelink? Uh, lifelink, maybe. But three yeah. is white, white for a 3-3. Three, three, but it says on, like, you can't cast this but turn, before turn three or four. Yeah. It, like, tells you what turn you can cast it on, mm-hmm. which is super weird text, right? Yeah. And that's basically, Teferi is, like, this costs, like, three, but you can't cast it until turn five. Right. And then the minus three bounces, uh, tucks something, puts it three cards deep. Right. And then the ultimate, I forget what the neg is, but it's like every time you draw a card, you exile a permanent. You exile a permanent. Yep. It's a neg eight. Neg eight. And he starts at five? Four. 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 Yep. Right. So, right, you go up a few times. And the thing here is, not only does the plus give you card advantage, it also gives you a form of protection because it frees up your mana. Yeah, it frees up mana. Well, I mean, at the time, it freed up mana for a counter spell. Or for, like, seal away. Yeah. Right, where they're like, oh, I'm going to have to attack your Teferi, and you're like, here's my two mana removal spell. Right. Or they're or like... 
negate or yeah. whatever. Gotta cast my uh, my murderous writer or whatever uh, by Veraska's yeah. contempt. And nope. they're like, cool, two mana, counter it. Yep. So that was effectively three mana mm-hmm. uh, and just did everything that a five mana card would do. Right. Now, they don't always 100% miss and make busted three mana planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes they make ones that are just kind of fine. Yeah, so there's Gideon of the Trials. Mm-hmm. Right, it has this, it's one white, white. It has a standard Gideon plus becomes a dude. They yep. can rumble. The beefcake and zero is is something can't deal damage to yeah, you. Yeah, bubble or something. Bubble something. So yeah. it protects itself. Well, no, the plus one oh, bubble protects. something. And the zero is he fights or he, yeah, he can attack. Yeah, it turns into a four four. Okay. And, and then he has another zero ability that which, gives you an emblem. That says, as long as you control a Gideon Planeswalker, you can't lose the game and your opponent can't win the game. So that is like anti-combo text. Right. Uh, I think, was it you that was playing against a Storm player who went on like a diatribe about how they should ban Gideon the Trials? Because like Storm can never beat that card in Modern? Or was that Cameron? Cameron. It probably wasn't me because I don't play very many planes. It was maybe Cameron. Yeah, like just like just went on a rant because you can't beat this card. Like I mean, this maybe. card is fine. It's three mana. It gives you like you know effectively a three mana four four. It like yep. makes it so you know you can't you, that like basically pacifies their largest thing. Right. So it kind of does everything that you want, and it's three mana. Right. Nissa voices Endicar was playable. Uh, she plus to make a plant. She was mm-hmm. one green green. Made it a one plant. She minus to put counters on everything. Minus two. Uh, minus two. Yep. And then it was. It's on each creature you control. Yeah. And I don't remember what the alt was. I don't think anyone ever altered her. Yeah, the plus one plus one counters are strong enough that you really never got to the alt. And the only time you ever plused was so that you could minus again. Yeah. So nobody ever got to the ult. Uh, the ult is neg seven. You gain X life and draw X cards where X is the number of lands you control, but nobody ever got there. Yeah. And like Gideon sees Gideon the trial sees play in older formats. Nissa mm-hmm. kind of doesn't unless like it like showed up in Pioneer when people were trying to play Windy Constrictor decks. Right. Uh, like just for the plus one, plus one counters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Ashiok Dream Render. One blue black has three loyalty, I think. Plus five. five? Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. Yep. And it's plus <laughs> plus one. No, minus one. No, am I thinking the wrong one? Oh, uh, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Three. I was thinking of. Uh, uh, was it not Nightmare Muse? The the one from Theros. Oh. Yeah. I wrote the wrong one. You did. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, I can't remember. Plus, plus one, you mill. You, you like, you mill their top four cards and you get to put a creature from among them under, or every creature under Ashiok minus X. You get to put a creature with converted mana cost X, uh, or less from under Ashiok into play under your control. And then minus 10 is like you exile their library in their hand or something. Yeah. Right, like this card's a cyborg card. 
Also, the other mm-hmm. Ashiok is also kind of a sideboard card. It is this way. I mean, you you wrote down the other Ashiok, but I also Oops. didn't question it because you said it was a sideboard card. Yeah, my bad. Um, uh, minus 10 is exile all cards from all opponents' hands and graveyards. Okay. So they get to keep their library, but they just you eat all the cards yeah. from their hand. Okay. And then Dream Render is one hybrid blue, black, blue, black. And this is the first one we're going to talk about where it has a static ability where players can't search libraries or opponents can't search libraries. And then minus one, you mill four cards. Yep. No ultimate. The uncommon ones didn't have ultimates. Right. Right. And then there's Kaya, Orzov Usurper, which mm-hmm. like her big thing was she exiled cards from graveyards. Right. Right. So she's kind of a situational, like, metagame card. She also killed, like, things that cost one or zero. Right. Yeah. And and it's any permanent. So it can be, like, a Pithing Needle or an Aether Vial. Or a Mox. Or, or a Mox or a Death Shadow. Yeah. So, like, she has popped up periodically in, like, modern, in, like, you know, Esper control lists like six months, eight months ago. Like yeah. she would show up every so often. She showed up in standard as a way to control graveyards mm-hmm. when people were doing graveyard shenanigans and in like the Esper control decks in standard as like the win con because her neg five is like you deal damage equal to the number of cards in exile or that have been exiled right. by Kaya. Yeah. Uh, it's just cards in exile. Cards in and exile. then you gain that much life. Yeah. So. Like, she was a win condition with the alt. She, like, had, like, useful abilities, though, like, you know, the destroy a permanent thing was narrow. Right. But, like, she was really there as kind of like graveyard hate. Like, hey, my graveyard hate also can win me the game. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, which is better than, like, graveyard hate that can't just win you the game. (laughs) Yeah, like a Tormod's Crypt. Yeah. It's like, well, I could play this Crypt, or I could play this other thing that might win me the game. That's probably the other thing. Yeah. So those are like the, I guess, and then Chandra Acolyte of Flame. Yeah, this one was random. I mean, I like the card, but I was surprised that you included it. So like zero, no, yeah, zero, you put a... A loyalty counter in each red planeswalker you control. That never happened. Yeah, basically that was her plus one. Yeah. Right, and then zero make two one one guys. Elementals. Elementals. And then minus two... Yep. Like cast a spell with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard or be yep. able to. Yep. Um, So I put her here because like she was a card that got played in standard as like, like kind of a combo synergy piece with um, yeah. uh, what's it called? Cavalcade. Cavalcade of, of Calamities. But then also like in the the aggressive red decks could mm-hmm. be like a juke right as like hey here's this other like permanent type you have to deal with out of my sideboard right right i don't want to just play like a creature because you can wrath it wrath it yeah. yeah i can just play this thing like because there were times that the like the esper control decks or the control decks like you would just sneak a chandra down mm-hmm. and then they were like then the game came out like I'm gonna just take two every turn because I don't have a way to kill this. Like Ten they turn were, clock. yeah, they were, but they were sitting on their Kaya's wrath, yep. 
Yeah. And you're just like, yep, nope, that doesn't work anymore. Yep. And there were times that like you'd lose to it in like the red mirrors because you were like, oh, I don't have a way to deal with that. Yeah. Like I have a lava coil. <laughs> I was ready to like just destroy whatever your three drop was. And I was like, oh, Chandra. Hmm. Not destroying that now. All right. So those are like three mana walkers that like kind of do a little bit of what you want that again are playable, maybe situationally playable in the case of like mm-hmm. Chandra or the Nissa or right. the Ashiok I wrote or the Ashiok I didn't write. <laughs> um, you know, whichever. Whichever. Right. But they all kind of had a place in their respective metagames. Right. And are powerful enough that in older formats, like back to, you know, pioneer and maybe modern, they will occasionally or could pop up as like, oh, hey, this card has a home here. Oh, yeah. The uh, the Ashiok that you actually wrote down, I mean, sees tons of sideboard play in modern. Yeah, seems. Uh, didn't someone. Oh, it was Bowman was playing Storm and he was playing mm-hmm. against Depths. Oh. And the depths opponent boarded in uh, Ashiok. Oh. And then, well, could eat his graveyard and then yeah. couldn't combo off because you need to be able to search your library to combo yeah. off in Storm. Yeah. And just lost the game on the spot, had no way to deal with it. Oof. And I was like, man, I didn't have that tech. <laughs> I mean, I play Ashiok and Jund. Yeah, I play the card's the really good. Yep. You don't have to actually have islands to play it, so it makes it okay. Perfect. Uh, perfect. Everything I look for in a card. <laughs> Don't have to have islands <laughs> to play it. Yep. Right. So that's the low casting cost end of the spectrum. Yeah. You want to flip over to the high cast? Yeah. Cost? Yeah. So I kind of set high casting cost as like six or more. But yeah. we, we are starting with, um, I do believe, the highest casting cost Planeswalker of them all. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's any that, that are more than him. Yeah. And that's Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Everybody should know what Ugin does by yeah. now. Right. The thing with the eight casting, the high uh, mana cost Planeswalkers mm-hmm. is if you like, if you resolve them or you untap with them, yeah. you just win the game. It, yeah. I mean, for six mana, the effect has to be pretty potent. Yeah. But you don't like, you might not just win the game that turn yeah. but you just are gonna win the game so like Ugin it costs 8 mana but it comes down and is basically a wrath yeah it's and, gonna clear the entire board and depending on how you built your deck it might be a one sided wrath mm-hmm. right so you put all this mana into it and it caught you right back up you went from like behind to ahead if it resolves mm-hmm. Right, and then you start accruing even more advantage. Yeah, uh, plus two, three damage to any target. You're just like free lightning bolts every turn by adding loyalty. Yeah, and then the minus X is exile colored permanents converted mana cost X or less. Yep. So and you just get to pick, and then what is it? Minus eleven is just like lulls. You win the game, draw seven, gain seven, put up to seven permanents from your hand onto the battlefield. Yeah, it's neg 10, though. Neg 10? Oh, I'm sorry. Because you can get to 11, and then he can still be around. Right. I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Because it's 7, 9, 11, like, win the game. Right. Karn liberated. Now, I don't think Karn, like, 
Karn is the like highest casting cost planeswalker that you can play when you assemble Tron. Right. Which is a lot of why he's played. But he has such a high loyalty mm-hmm. and just gets to like eat basically is plus whatever discard plus four. Plus four? Yeah, plus four target player exiles a card from their hand and it starts at six loyalty. So it goes to 10. Like you can never attack it down. Right. And then it's, is it minus three? Yep. Minus three exiles a permanent, any permanent. Right. So like you can either attack their hand or attack their board. Yep. Right. It can just be like double stone rain. Yeah. And then uh, Neg 14 never ha- – I don't think I've ever seen a competitive game where somebody ulted a Karn. That only happens in casual games. But you restart the game, uh, leaving in exile all non-permanent cards exiled with Karn liberated. And then when you start the game, you put all those cards under the battlefield under your control. Fun fact, creatures can attack that turn because they went through an upkeep. Ta-da. Ta-da. <laughs> like, oh, hey, I, like, I ate your, um, whatever. Ulamog. Your Ulamog. I guess I get to just attack <laughs> with it at the beginning of this second game. Right. But, again, like, after, like, a turn or two, you just win the game. Basically, yeah. The next two are the big Chandras. Yeah, and they both have seen play in... I don't know that Flamecaller continues to see play, but they both have seen play. They saw a lot um, of play in Standard. Yeah. And they do the same thing. Basically, uh, For the most part, yeah. The the What makes them playable at six mana right. is that they come down and they both have like minus deal damage to all the creatures on the board. Yeah. So uh, Awakened Inferno is neg three and it does three damage to each non-elemental. And flame caller is neg X, and it deals X damage to each creature. And what does her loyalty start at? Is it like four or five? Uh, flame caller starts at four. Okay, so like basically, she was six mana neg three, deal three to everything, and still have a Chandra left over. Right, right. So, but they both like you put in the six mana investment, and they caught you back up. Mm-hmm. ideally it's right kind of a rolling theme with these expensive planeswalkers that, the, that they have some kind of catch-up mechanism both chandras ugin elspeth that we're going to talk about next they all have like a built-in wrath yeah elspeth sun champion for wait wait yep and her plus was make three one one soldiers yep and like that was also the catch-up mechanism i went right. from no blockers to three blockers. Right. Like now you've got to attack this Elspeth. Yep. And I've got three blockers. You can't do it because if you don't like attack near the Elspeth, I go from three blockers to six blockers. It doesn't get any better for you. Unless your opponent has a siege rhinoceros. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I forget like, it's like, I forget what the, it's minus something. Kill all creatures, uh, power four or greater. Yeah, neg three. Neg three. If they have a siege rhinoceros, neg three. Right. But, and then, like, her ultimate was, like, your creatures got, like, plus two, plus two in flying or something. Yep, neg seven. Neg seven, yeah. So, she let you catch up in, like, two ways. She could either kill all the big creatures, Mm -hmm. or she just could give you so many bodies they could never, like, fight through them. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you won with the the one ones, and you hardly ever ulted Elspeth. Yeah, like because often she's played like control decks, and you're just like, "Hey, cool, my way to win the game is three yeah. tokens, three tokens, three tokens, kill you." Right. So on the other end of the spectrum, right, all of these have a huge catch up mechanism. Yep. And then there's Nicobolus God Pharaoh, which I have written under it. No one ever resolved him, like, ever. <laughs> right. And, like, you read the abilities on the card, and you're like, yes. But none of them are, like, destroy all permanents or destroy right. all non-bolus planeswalkers or non-bolus permanents. It's just, like, mind-numbing card advantage. Yeah. But if they had two creatures on the board, he just died. Basically, yep. Right? So, like... When you look at these, like, big, splashy, like, six and seven mana Planeswalkers, they have to catch you up. Yeah. You can't just tap six mana and be like, draw two cards. It's like, cool. Kill your Planeswalker and kill you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. So, on the higher mana ones, like I said, look for your catch-up mechanism. Real quick, I added in one more here that I didn't put in your notes. Oh, man. I, I added it in the card file. And that's uh, Dragon God Bolas. I know he only costs five mana, but the casting cost is kind of so restrictive that he might as well cast cost more than five. Oh, I thought I had him up in the five mana ones at one point, but yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. He's here now. Okay. But yeah, I mean, he he definitely fits the like five CMC mold, where you know you draw a card, your opponent exiles a card as a plus, so you get massive card advantage there because. It's like a three for one by the time they answer Bolas. And then it has a neg that protects itself. And then an ult that wins the game. Literally says you win the game if. Uh, if your opponent doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker. Yeah, basically it's like you win the yeah. game if you met this condition. Right. And all he's there to do is meet that condition. Right. Can, can I get rid of a permanent? Could it be a legendary creature or planeswalker? <laughs> Excellent. Down tick, win game. Cool. Right. And then he had like a static ability, which was just becomes every other planeswalker. But like that was less important. Like just like what was on the card is your like classic five mana planeswalker. But you're right. Probably costs more like six, six or seven because it's like, what is it? Red, black, 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 blue, or I guess it's blue, black, 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 red. Yeah. Like just super hard to cast. I don't know. Like every time I ever resolved a bolas, I ended up making a lot of three, three. He made a lot of what? <laughs> three three lands. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Not not doubling the amount of mana your forests made, but a lot of three right. three lands. <laughs> well, I think I don't know. That one's hard because like I feel like the first thing you have to do is kill the Nissa. You have to like down take and kill her. Yeah, I don't know. I remember lots of board states where I had three three lands and I shouldn't have. <laughs> You're like, this is great. <laughs> Why am I playing islands? Why can't let's play forest? <laughs> Another group that is like hard to evaluate or like synergy planeswalkers. And- yeah, they're planeswalkers with really unique abilities, or like we mentioned above with uh I think you were talking about Liliana at that point, uh Untouched by Death, the zombie one. Yeah. You really need to build your deck in a certain way to make the best use of them. Yeah, so I guess Hobo Jace's name is Cunning Castaway. It is, yeah. Like his plus was like when you when one of your creatures dealt damage to a player, you got to loot. 
Yeah, it's not great. Right. And then like you made and then the minus two was you made a two two illusion. Right. Which like then if it was targeted by a spell or ability died. Right. And then so mine not not great to protect Jace. Not great. And then minus five was yeah, make was a copy. Make, uh two copies. Two copies. Because in theory he went away and then you got two hobo jaces. Right. Right. Like this is one that isn't self contained, right? Yeah. It is in that, oh, it makes a creature and then it does something with a creature, but like it doesn't do enough. Right, it's just not like, hey, I'm powerful. It's like, hey, you need to have some evasive creatures that make this plus or do anything. Mm-hmm. And like a minus to make a 2-2, I hope that 2-2 like matters. Yeah, especially when it only starts at 3 loyalty. Like going to 1 to make a 2-2 doesn't leave a whole lot of meat left on the bone. Yeah. Poor Hobo Jace. Poor Hobo Jace. The only time Hobo Jace got to do anything is when people were using, like just making infinite boli. Yeah. Uh, simpler times. Infinite Boli. <laughs> Infiniboli. Infiniboli, yes. Uh, then we have Jace Mirror Mage, the Zendikar Rising. Yep. Right? Where it's like, it's card advantage, right? It's got the, the, the plus. The zero ability. Yeah, the, the, the plus that scries, but then the zero that draws, um, you, a card. draws you a card. But, yeah. right, has that kicker where you can get two. Right. And, and that way one can kind of feed the other one. Yeah, and you know, I know preview time, I was like, oh, this card seems like for the five mana cost, it would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But and that has not panned out. No, I've not been in the standard format super long. But um, I've seen it a couple times out of like Demir or Esper control decks, like not the Yorian decks, but like the, the actual hard control decks. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, then we have Sarkon Fireblooded. Which was yeah. the, like, one red red, and you plus to get, like, to discard a card, then draw? Yeah, plus to rummage. And then, and then plus you could to also mana? Yep, but you can only cast dragons with it. Yeah. So, like, the, and then, like, the ultimate was, like, make all the dragons? Yeah, I think it's four, five, five red dragons with flying. Yeah. And so it was, like... It, it had the deck building constraint of you have to play dragons. Yeah. Otherwise he doesn't do a whole lot. Right. And, um, right. This asks the question, are the dragons good enough? Right. Right. And since dragons usually are four or five mana, it's hard Mm -hmm. to fill your deck with four and five mana things. Right. Right. And then we already talked about Liliana untouched by death who said, Hey, play zombies. Which yep. then we didn't asked, talk about. Oh, go ahead. Which asked, which asked, like, are the zombies good enough? Right. The time that something was good enough was Soren. Yeah. Yeah. He cares about vampires, and the vampires were good, and his abilities are very relevant. It's a two and a black for loyalty, plus one target creature you control gains death touch and lifelink till end of turn, and if it's a vampire, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Also, a plus one is you can sacrifice a vampire, and when you do, you deal three damage to any target, and you gain three life. And neg three is you can put a vampire from your graveyard onto the battlefield. It's from your hand, so, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, from your hand. Um, so it's a way to get card advantage. Uh, well, I guess it's not really card advantage. 
it's well, an advantage over time though. You're making your guys bigger. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and, then, and they're hard to block. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because they get death touch. And then it's also a way to protect himself because he pluses to, you know, you got to sacrifice a vampire, but he pluses to, you know, kill something with, I guess, three toughness or less. So yes. it's a way to protect himself, even though it's not true card advantage, it's some form of advantage that'll build up over time. And then his, I guess you call it his alt is you just, you know, cheat on mana. You put some big vampire into play for no cost. Which was the five mana one that drew a card equal to the number of vampires you controlled and you lost a life for each card you drew. So it was like, play yeah. like one drop, two drop Soren, play like a five mana card on turn three that draws you two, two or three cards. Yeah. And then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully you found something. Right. Soren was like 15 to $20 was played a lot. Vampires is one of the best decks. Yep. But it was right at the end of like, he was a core set planeswalker. So it was like three months where they put like him in with the vampires from Ixalan. Yep. Plus the vampires that they like seeded in the, um, in the core set. Mm-hmm. So there was just enough there and they were good enough. Cause that was, um, was it night of the Ebon Legion? Yep. Night of the Ebon Legion. You what? still had some of the Exelon vampires. Mm-hmm. So like he was just good enough that he got played for three months and then the vampires that were around him went away. Yeah. And now he pops up in like vampire tribal decks in like pioneer. Yep. Or uh, in historic. If someone wants to play vampire tribal, you play, your boy, Soren. Oh, yeah. But other than that, he just doesn't get played. Yep. So all these other ones we talked about, it was like, is this thing good enough? No. But then he had enough support that he was good. So Mm -hmm. these kind of Planeswalkers are a lot harder to evaluate because you're not evaluating the Planeswalker. Right. You're evaluating all the cards that that Planeswalker cares about in the format. And can this make a cohesive deck if I don't draw my Planeswalker. Yep. And if the answer is no, then you can't play the Planeswalker. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Nissa Steward of Elements, which was the first yeah. Planeswalker that had an X in the casting cost. Yeah, this is a weird one. And that like that's why we're talking about it here is just because it's weird. It doesn't, you know, it's not asking you to build your deck a certain way. It's not asking you to, you know, build a tribal deck. It's just kind of a weird Planeswalker. Um, but it's X blue green and it enters with X loyalty. So however much mana you dump into, it's going to be how much loyalty it has. And then it's plus two to scry two. And then the zero is you look at the top, is it two cards or something? Yeah. It's like you look at the top two and then like you can minus to put cards, to put a card from on top of your library onto the battlefield. Uh, yeah, and Nissa loses that many loyal, or it's less than or equal to the number of loyal Nissa has. Yeah, and then she also has an alt where you untap two lands and they become uh, five five flying lands to lend a turn with haste. So you just kind of quick dome your opponent for ten. Yeah, so she didn't see a lot of play because she didn't have like doesn't have the classic protect ability. Right. Right. It's like kind of sometimes card advantage it's like card selection Mm -hmm. 
or filtering, but not pure card advantage. Right. But like the fact that you could play her on three, I was like, oh, well, this maybe is good enough, but like the abilities just didn't get there. Yeah. I mean, she did see a little bit of play. She saw play in um, like the Sultai Hadana's Climb decks. Yeah. Cause you would just like smash them. Yeah. For, well, for 10. It's kind of nice because she, like she fits anywhere on the curve. Yeah. So like anywhere you had a little bit of lull in, and you could stick a Nissa and, you know, get some sort of value out of her. We already talked about Saheeli Rise. She only was played because she was a combo card with uh, Felidar Guardian. Yep. And the rest of the card might as well not exist. Yep. Then, like, Lupa, Luca Coppercoat Outcast. Usually, five mana Planeswalkers don't fall into this, like, weird space. Right. Of, like, hey, I'm kind of like a combo-y, like, conditional card. But, like, post-2019, they tried to do some fun, interesting things. <laughs> or, yeah, like, 2019 and later, like, let's do some interesting yeah. stuff. And so his plus is, like, you exile uh, creatures out of the top four cards of your library. Yeah. Or you exile all four cards, and then you can cast the creatures as long as you control Luca. It's uh, three cards, I think. Three cards? Okay. Yep. And then minus two, mm-hmm. you destroy target creature or sack target creature i think it's destroy and exile exile target creature something target and then you uh (laughs) reveal cards until you hit a uh a creature yep and And then put it under the battlefield put on the battlefield so and it's a creature with higher cmc so you're always trading up and so this was um the like, this is what Luca got played for, but Luca got played because it could hit Agent of Treachery. Yeah. And Luca has made a slight resurgence. Uh, people playing the Jeskai uh, kind of control decks. Okay. Are playing one. Some of them are playing one, like Allie Warfield, I think, registered like one. Yeah. I don't think she ended up playing the, the event, but she registered one and four transmogrifies so yeah. that she could always hit a Dream Trawler. Oh, like that was okay, the thing she cool. was going to go get. And so there were like people that were playing him uh, this weekend to hit dream trawlers. Hmm. But again, like he just doesn't say I'm powerful. It's like, Hey, you've got right. to build your deck in a certain way yeah. so that, you know, either one, you know what you're going to hit. Right. Or you have to be okay. Like just spinning the wheel. Right. And that's why magic players don't play Pokemon is they don't like spinning the wheel. Right. Unless it's yeah. Marvel. Spin that wheel all day. But like they want to have the certainty of like, I'm going to hit this certain card. Mm-hmm. So he's only playable when the things you can hit with him justify it. Right. Like if you're polymorphing into Emrakul or something, that's a different story than if you're polymorphing into Gruel Spellbreaker. Yeah. So it always so he's very much dependent on what can you hit, right? Because like the plus is good, but the decks don't get built in a way that you utilize the plus. They get built right. in a way that you utilize the minus, and then yep. what is it? Minus five, minus uh, seven, seven. He deals damage. Like each of your creatures deals damage equal to their power to target opponent. Yep, to each opponent. To each opponent. Damn. Yeah. Um. Right. And then the last is uh, I've watched a lot of Smosh videos over the last uh, week. So okay. every Ajani ever. 
<laughs> is uh, as opposed to every blank ever, it's every Ajani ever, is like you have to have creatures right. for his plus to do anything. Yep. Even the one that got played got played in like a mono white life gain deck. Yeah. Where like the fact that it made a, a Johnny's pride mate when it down ticked was good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like it gained you life and triggered all of your Johnny pride mates was, was good. good. Yeah. And then it like was a one-sided like wrath was good. Yeah. But uh, it just require they usually just require you to have so much setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's hard to, hard to make it worth it. Yeah. Except for the best of Johnny ever, unyielding, but he cost six mana. <laughs> and was yeah. like really good, but just was one or two mana too expensive. Yeah. Right. His abilities at five, I think he would have been a staple in the format. Probably. So he was like plus one look at the top three cards, pick a permanent, mm-hmm. minus three, exile a creature. Mm-hmm. And I forget what his ultimate was. Yeah, I don't remember. But. Because no one ever cast him. Like, you read yeah. it, and you were like, this is good. And it was like, oh, it's six mana, no one cares. Like, he didn't he didn't have the ability to just, like, catch you up and take care of a board. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, a Johnny Vengeant didn't really fit the mold either. Yeah, he's we- he's a weirdo at, like, four yeah. mana. But I was we're, we're trying, since we have a bunch of Zoomers, uh, <laughs> or at least Magic Zoomers. Yeah. Uh, to not go back to like where was a Johnny Vengeant from? Shards? Shards, yeah, yeah. Like a million years ago. Yeah, we could have talked about Koth too. God. If we would have talked about Koth, like Cameron would have just appeared on the podcast. <laughs> Hello. Like, how did you get in our Discord? How did you get in this call? <laughs> well, if two or more people talk about Koth, Cameron appears. It's like, oh, okay. Say his name three times. Here comes Cameron. <laughs> Giraffes! What? what? <laughs> All right. So then we have um, the Flipwalkers. Yeah, these are super weird. The f- Planeswalkers that flip into another Planeswalker don't see a whole lot of play. Uh, once in a while, you'll see Garrick Relentless show up, but not very often. Um, I think the creatures that turn into Planeswalkers are see a lot more play than the other ones do. Yeah. So the problem with the planeswalkers that flip into creatures is like for Arlen cord, her yeah. front side doesn't do enough. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't like justify like doing the work to get to the backside. Right. And like Garrick relentless, like fight something and it deals damage to him. So, like, he loses yeah. loyalty in the process and then flips over, mm-hmm. and it's just not enough to justify it. Right. Now, the creatures I, I that flip... The, oh, go ahead. The, the only place that Garrick saw play was, like, random... Was it Maverick decks that played him once in a while? Every so often, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, like, he's a, like, reasonable cube card sometimes. Like, that's where I have to, like... You know, like uh, Theros Ashiok is just one of the best cards in cube. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm a little, like, colored because, like, I watch cube videos and I'm just like, oh, my God, <laughs> this three-man Ashiok's great. It's like, yes, because yeah. it mills them out of their 40-card deck. So then the flip creatures, the one that is the most played 
and is still kind of played as Jace Friend's prodigy. Yeah. Like the front side of him might as well be a planeswalker. Like you get to loot every turn for a two mana investment. Like that's close to something you'd want to do anyway. You know what I mean? And then once he transforms, he's more like a six or seven mana planeswalker than a two mana planeswalker. Yeah, he gets um, to shrink something, give something minus two, minus O. Oh, yeah. And then you get to like, uh, like the, the play pattern was usually like flip him. Mm-hmm. Make something small. Mm-hmm. Next turn, like flash back a spell from your graveyard. Collected company. <laughs> Collected company. <laughs> uh, and then just ride them from there. And if you don't kill them with like beats, yeah, you uh, win with the ultimate, which was like whenever you cast a spell, your opponent mills four, five cards. Five cards. Yeah. Yeah. So, like the front side was good. And, mm-hmm. like, he had the flexibility of, like, oh, I'll block, and now I'll loot, and then it'll be a Planeswalker. Right. And things like that. And then you also just had, you know, the fun and excitement of a really good Planeswalker on the back. Yeah, really good. Right. And then you had Nicobolus the Ravager. Yep, that's the M19 Nicobolus. He's a decently, same, kind of same story with Jace Finn's Prodigy. He's a decently costed creature. It's a four mana, four, four flyer. And when he ETBs, uh, your opponent discards a card. So it's an automatic two for one. And then if you build up to, I think it's seven mana, he flips into a Planeswalker that's a seven mana Planeswalker, basically. Yeah. Now, like, the downside was is I watched, like, a... Uh, a kid, he was probably like 12 at a GP. His mm-hmm. opponent went to do something and he was like, no, tap your mana. So his opponent taps his mana to flip his bolus and his opponent's just like, and in response, I will kill your bolus. Like, <laughs> it was great. The guy was like, oh, I'm going to flip my bolus. And the kid's like, tap your mana. <laughs> kill it. It's like, damn, son. Like This kid was not going to get worked at all. Brutal. Uh, yeah, it's just like, tap it okay i want you to feel the pain okay cool (laughs) um but yeah like like the ones that are that see a lot of play like these two like saw the most are the ones where like the front side um is costed properly yeah the front side's worth it on its own almost yeah and the condition to flip it isn't terrible right Right, Jace was you had to like loot and then have five cards in your in your graveyard. Yeah. So like you got there from like looting and playing magic. Right. Uh Nicobolus was uh you had to pay a certain amount of mana. Mm-hmm. Right, but like the the one mana Gideon you had to attack with two other creatures. Yeah. And sometimes that was easy and sometimes it wasn't, and sometimes to flip them you had to like set, like kill a creature. I think the problem with one mana Gideon is that like his planeswalker side just didn't do enough. Like it's not that he was hard to transform or anything. It's just, it didn't do anything when he flipped. Yeah. Like, and then the, the Nissa like got you a land out of your deck. So it kind of drew a card yeah. and then you had to hit seven lands or eight. Yeah. Seven lands. And then but she then, flipped and was fine. Yeah. It was just fine though. Like basically it flipped and then you made a four, four. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, like, didn't, like, that 4-4 elemental, isn't it now, like, the, the green mythic that just is, like, a bajillion bajillion that makes all your stuff forests? It is, yeah, Shia. 
Yeah, Ashaya really like uh, what is the term? Because it had a glow up, really glowed <laughs> up, like went from a four four to just like a house. It was just like, oh, cool, buddy, way to glow up there. Yeah, um, good job, Ashaya. Good job. So then the last one, I uh, I guess this isn't the last one, but then we have like kind of the last grouping of like similar mm. things are the ones with the static abilities. We've touched yeah. on a few of these, and I went through and I deemed some of them fine or busted. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the way I think about the static ability is the good static abilities make it feel like you get to activate your Planeswalker twice. Where yeah. the static ability feels like it should be a plus one. Right. That you just always get. Like you get the plus ability from your Planeswalker Mm-hmm. Plus, you get to do another thing. That's a good way to think about it. I I had never thought about them that way. That's uh, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because like you could see Ashiok Dream Render being plus one. Opponents can't search libraries until your next turn. Right. Right. And then you know, and then it would have a hole during like your upkeep or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like where they could fetch or whatever, but like, hey, for their turn they can't fetch or they can't do like a. Sorcery speed search spell. Okay, that's yeah. reasonable. And then would have a minus where it like milled them. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, you just always get that like mediocre plus. Right. All the time. All the time. Right. Uh, Jace, wielder of mysteries. Right. Like you could see like the plus B, like, you know, laboratory maniac. Hey, if you draw cards from an empty library, you win the game. Mm-hmm. Right. That That's like the bad plus. But instead, right. he has that bad plus it doesn't matter all the time. And then he also has his draw card plus. Right. Liliana, the same way. Like, hey, plus one. Whenever a creature dies this turn, you draw a card. And then also plus one make a zombie. Yeah. So, like, you just get two of them. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's in the ones that actually feel like you're getting a legit plus one all the yeah. time are the ones that saw a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Right, like, you know, like Domri saw a little bit of play because his static was a reasonable plus one, yeah. But it was just the rest of it around him. His what his actual plus one was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, it was worse than his fake plus one. Yeah, Narset. Each like, opponent can't draw than one card each turn. Yeah, so you're like, okay, plus one. Hey, you can't draw more than one card each turn. Mm-hmm. Like that would be fine, but it's like, oh no, plus one, like static ability. You get that plus. Can I introduce you, you in half of Dig Through Time? Right. I, I would be the interested. Other half next turn. <laughs> yeah, I would be interested. Yeah. Thank you. The thing with that is, like, the Planeswalkers that, like, the plus one, the, the static was a legit real plus one. Yeah. Just ended up being busted. Right. So. Like Nurse at Nissa Teferi. Yeah. Or just like, oh, these are way too good. I'm getting way too much out of this getting to activate my planeswalker effectively twice. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, Nissa kind of has the hidden mode as uh Teferi Hero Dominaria too, where it really only costs three, but you can't cast it till turn five. Yeah. And then like is mana flare. Right. Again, I bought like eight of them and they mm-hmm. never went above like three dollars. Oh, well, I have some news for you, my friend. I believe they are currently $5. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Did you come off them yet, or you still got them? I might still have them. Like, I at least yeah. have four, because I was like, well, this is playable in, like, all formats, so. Right. But, yeah, like, that's a card that just was, like, it's like, oh, like, you read the card, and you're like, oh, my God. None of this makes sense why this is all on one card. Yeah. So, right, so as they do static abilities, I think you can evaluate them by, like, is this is the static ability a good plus one? Mm-hmm. And then... After that, how does that then mesh with the with the rest of the abilities? Yeah, because like you know, you could see Vivian, right? The Vivian, what is it like? Monster Arco person, Ranger. Oh, the new one. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what her name is. Uh, Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate. There we go. Monster Lady. Rawr. Right. Like you could see it being plus one. Look, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. It's a creature you can cast it. Yeah, like that would be a reasonable plus one. Mm Because it like kind of pseudo draws a card. But no, it's that's always on plus make a 3-3. Right. And like that becomes really good. The problem right now is there's not enough around Nyssa. Not sorry, around Vivian. Right. Because right, the green decks are all like super aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like there's not yeah, like there's a, a grindy version. Yeah, there's not like a like a. I was gonna say mopey, but like value oriented green deck. Yeah. Right. Or the value oriented green deck is a Yorion Sky Nomad deck. Oh hey, I just had a thought. Okay. So Viv's minus is when you cast your next creature spell, you get to tutor for a creature spell with CMC less than, and then put it into play. Yes. So if you cast a Jade Light Ranger, you get to go get a Wild Growth Walker and trigger it. Mm, these things are not okay, but yes. Why I aren't they okay? I don't want to have to great. I don't want to have to deal with that. Like no, just like <laughs> me personally, I don't want to have to deal with that. That's not okay for me emotionally. But yes, oh. like it does work. Yeah. Um I've been hmm. trying to rack my brain for in older formats, what are yeah. just two, three CMC creatures you can get that win you the game? Well, it's got to be a three and a two. Well, I like for um, Neoform and whatever the Storm Tamer oh, is. Yeah. Right? Because I was like, are there just two, three drops that win you the game? I've not thought of it yet. But like, same mm. kind of thing. Like, I like how you're like, oh man, if I play this three drop, I can get a two drop and I can gain some life. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, well, if you play this three drop and you go get this two drop, do you just win? Um, like, I don't know. Cause like, Thassa's Oracle would be your two, but it comes into the battlefield before your three would yeah. resolve. And I can't think of like, you know, a three that could get you a, well, I guess it could be anything. Like, but the problem is they come into the play in the wrong order. Yeah. Like you couldn't go like Vivian into Balustrade Spy get Thassa's Oracle. Because the Oracle right. would come into play first and trigger. Dang you wizards. You designed um, that car so I couldn't so I couldn't break it. <laughs> what about um are there any like pestermite loops you can do that are like two and three mana? Hmm. I don't know. See, this is something like, to this is something to like investigate. Kiki Jiki and Zealous Conscripts are both five, five. Anna, so you can't quite get there. Well, you could Kiki Resto. Yeah, you Kiki Resto. So, so we want you to play three green green, <laughs> and we also want you to play two red 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 
Red, red, red. Red, red, red. And we also want you to have white in your deck. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Well, I mean, those, those cards are modern legal, and you have great mana in modern. This is true. No, people have played, like, Naya, like the Naya Kiki, Rusto Kiki decks. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. What about um, Kitchen Finks? Finks and... You can get, like, Finks Blood Artist. Like, that's part of the way there. Or you or, get... Or you get Finks uh, Malira. Yeah, and then you just need your sack thing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get back to you, uh, people of the uh, podcast. Yeah, that podcast took a strange turn real quick it there. It did, it did. <laughs> um, but, like... So when you see the static ability Planeswalkers, I think you evaluate them on like, okay, is this static ability like a plus? And then are the rest of the abilities good for that mana cost? Yeah. Right. So if you get like a good static ability and then you get like, oh, this also just has like kill a creature, draw a card, Mm -hmm. plus has a reasonable static ability. Like, oh, those are all things that I want. Right. So cool. And then, you know, is it five, four, or three mana? Because, mm-hmm. right, Lily at six mana was just one mana too much. It really was. Right? So, like, five or six doesn't sound like a lot, but five mana planeswalkers are playable in six, in a, and then a much smaller swath of six mana planeswalkers are playable. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like how long the game's going to go on, too, and what the format looks like. You know, if your game, yeah. if, the average game's going to end on turn six or seven. Like you really don't have time for your Lily to be good. But if you're going to play, you know, 12 or 15 turns, there's plenty of time for Lily to be good. Yeah. So we've talked about a bunch of planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to just do general planeswalker evaluations. Yeah. We've kind of already touched on that a little bit. Like you want to have the, the card advantage the ability to protect itself, preferably mm-hmm. a game-winning alt, and the cheaper the better. Right. Right. So based on kind of those criteria, what are the best Planeswalkers of all time? Well, we've already talked about a few of them. Yes. I think Gideon, even though it doesn't see a ton of play recently, at its time was one of the best Planeswalkers yeah. around. I, I did um, I did cut it because I was, I was thinking like, all time, all time. Yeah. I mean, to catch up. We have Oko, which we already talked about. Three mana wins the game, banned in multiple formats. The start of the great Simic world takeover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hydrate Crisis might have been the start of the great Simic world takeover. Uh, uh, Hydrate Crisis was a lot less egregious than Oko. Oh, this is true. And I mentioned Oko because I think Oko is consensus the best planeswalker ever printed. I don't think you'll find anybody that argues with you. Yeah. If anyone who says that, oh no, it's number two on our list, Jace the Mind Sculptor has not had all of their stuff elked and then been <laughs> beaten down by an army, an endless army of three threes. Yeah. You know what uh, Mind Sculptor can't beat? An Oko? Being turned into an elk. He doesn't get to get elked, though. He only elks creatures and artifacts. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But he, yeah. if he has to down tick to uh, he, Jace is only at three loyalty. Yeah. So if you like, you made a food, then they made a Jace. You're like, cool. Kill your Jace with my food. 
your go. Oh, look, my planeswalker is now on seven loyalty. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So then there's Jace the Mind Sculptor. Jace was the first planeswalker to have four abilities. He's two yep. blue, blue. It's plus two. Any fate seals? Plus two. Yep, so plus two. fate seal is it's a is it it's a keyword from uh, time spiral, and right. what it means is you look at the top card of a player's library, and you can choose to leave it on top of their deck or put it on the bottom. Yeah, so it's a targeted scry. You get to target the library that you're. Scrying. Yeah. So while it's not, well, it doesn't protect Jace per se. Yeah. It does kind of control. You gives you information as to what mm-hmm. they're going to draw, and right. if you decide that what they're going to draw is no good for you, you get to put it on the bottom, and they get to like take a blank. Or mm-hmm. take take just like an unknown card, yeah, but it's like, card. oh hey, here's their card that kills my planeswalker. I guess I'll put that on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Or oh hey, here's a card that like I have an answer that lines up for. Or you can have your land. Yeah, or you can have your land. Or like oh no, I don't have a way to deal with this card. Put it on the bottom and hope they draw something bad. Yeah. Right. Then he brainstorms for zero. Yep. Draw three cards. Put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. Yeah, and that in older formats with fetch lands is almost just draw three because you put back two bad cards. And then shuffle them away. Yeah, and you shuffle them away with your fetch land. Yep. Then minus two is bounce a creature. Yep. And then I don't know what the, what the alt is. Is it like minus 10 or 11 or something? Minus 12. Minus 12 yep. is like this is you exile their library. Hand, library and hand. Uh, exile all cards from target player's library. Then that player shuffles their hand into their library. Yeah, so basically you just shrink their deck down to their hand. Right. Yeah. And so that's like that card just like was the best thing to do in standard after Bloodblade, Bloodbraid Elf got banned or got mm-hmm. banned, got rotated. Right. And then was has been the backbone of every like legacy control deck mm-hmm. until Oko. Right. Um, <laughs> and was uh, unbanned. 2019. Yeah, and was banned in modern for years. Yeah. And has been reprinted like two or three times and is still like 80 to to $100. Uh, I think it's like 65 currently. Okay, so I guess if we were in a, in a time where it's been printed three times and uh, yeah. no one's playing Paper Magic, they go down. Right. Um, And then you have Liliana the Veil. She oh, might not girl. be... She might not definitively be the third best planeswalker, but I think she's on the top five list. Well, who do you think's the third best? Maybe Teferi, Time Raveler. Mm, okay. I mean they're all on they're they're pretty close. They're all pretty close. But yeah, like I think that Oko and Jace are far and away the best. Yeah. They do the things we said that they need to do, and they're cheap. Right. Right. Lily does the things we said that we needed to do and is cheap. Right. Right. So quickly, what does Lily do? Uh, One black, black, three loyalty. Plus one, each player discards a card. Minus two, each player sacrifices a creature. Or target player sacrifices a creature. And minus six, uh, separate all permanents target player controls into two piles. That player sacrifices all permanents in the pile of their choice. And you also have the the out on Magic Online that your opponent uh, clicks the wrong button. 
<laughs> I didn't yeah. want that pile. <laughs> yep. And then we talked about Renan Six, Legal and Modern, yep. Banded Legacy. Yep. And then Teferi Time Raveler. He's here basically for his static. Mm-hmm. Right. His static is like his downtick is really good. Like it could have been draw a card. It could have been bounce a thing, but they said make it both. Right. And then the static is what like carries it in older formats. We have here what kind of decks even want to play a Planeswalker. Why are you playing Planeswalkers? What, what decks are looking to play them? Yeah, so, I mean, we just spent the last hour-ish um, talking about... Hour 45. Different... Okay, <laughs> so we just spent the last hour and a half talking about all sorts of different Planeswalkers and, you know, what things to look for in a good Planeswalker and the different kinds of, like, Planeswalker templates that are out, out there. But none of that, I don't think, actually answered the question that we were looking to answer. And the question was... How do you know when to put a Planeswalker in your deck? Or how do you choose what Planeswalker to put in your deck? So that's kind of where I came up with a question. What kind of decks even want a Planeswalker? There are definitely certain situations where you're going to want a Planeswalker and certain situations where you don't. If the goal of a Planeswalker is to come down, protect itself, build you know, some kind of incremental advantage then decks that don't want to play magic for very long probably don't have much of a use for a planeswalker, right? Yeah. So like aggressive so, decks don't play planeswalkers usually. Yeah, at least not in the main board. Yeah. A lot of times you'll see like red decks a lot of times will play sidewalkers or uh planeswalkers out of the sideboard because they're trying to go big post board, but that's really the only time you're going to see planeswalkers out of an aggro deck. Yeah, it's um, kind of like a juke, like, hey, you brought in your Wrath or your Cry of the Carnarium. Yeah. That's cool. I played my Chandra Acolyte of Flame. Right. Now you had to have left in ways to deal with Planeswalkers. Yeah. And I got some amount of value, you know, it's two damage plus, like, eating your mana right? Uh, for this card. Yep. The decks that kind of want to play Planeswalkers in the main deck are mainly going to want to be decks that grind. So like mid-rangey value-oriented decks or control decks are going to want to play, you know, planeswalkers that, you know, they're going to get out at some point and then eventually accrue enough of an advantage to win the game off of them. Yeah. And then kind of like we were talking about with aggro, a lot of times decks are going to want to run planeswalkers, maybe not main deck, but in the sideboard. So if you're a little bit more aggro slanted mid-range deck, but need a way to go big post board, a planeswalker is a good way to do that. That's where like Garrick, was it Cursed Huntsman, the six mana Garrick from Throne, typically sees play out of sideboards, not really in the main deck. Um, I'm trying to think of some other planeswalkers that only see play out of the sideboard. Well, I mean, there's we talk about the three mana ones like Ashiok yeah. that like has a has you know some sort of hate element to it. Yeah. Well, like, I guess Liliana... Uh, Dreadhorde General. Or Liliana, Lily the Last Hope. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. She, like, she can come in, like, when we played Depths, she was yeah. an, a removal answer for problematic spell, or pro- problemat- problematic creatures out of right. uh, Death and Taxes. 
Right. But then also was a different kind of permanent and a way to pressure a control deck where yeah. you brought it in and you were like, hey, this is going to tick up and then mm-hmm. I'm going to do the alt and then I'm going to try to win the game with that. Or right. I'm going to get to rebuy things and make you like counter my my creature multiple times. Yep. So like planeswalkers in sideboards can often fill two roles mm-hmm. where they're both your like in one deck they can be your go long juke. Yeah. Uh, and then in another deck and again in another matchup they could be your repeatable removal spell and it's the mm-hmm. same card. Or, right. you know, in the case of Ashiok Dream Render, right, it can be your search hate if you're right. playing against, like, Tron. Right? Or like, your oh, graveyard hate. Yeah, your graveyard hate if you're playing against Dredge. Right. And so it's one card that has the flexibility to do two different things. Mm-hmm. I lost my two John cards. used to, like, I mean, this is going way back, like, five, five, six years ago, probably. But Jund used to play, like, a single Chandra Pyromaster, or Pyromaster out of the sideboard. Okay. Just as, you know, another way to get card advantage in, like, longer games. Like, the red-black decks in Amonkhet Standard played uh, Angrath in the sideboard is a way to go longer post-board. Yeah. And then Angrath also saw play against, like, Hydroid Crisis because right. the, like, steal a thing and then sack yeah. it. Yeah. But you, like, steal their Crisis, use it to kill a Planeswalker they had or attack them. Yeah. And then also got rid of it. Right. So oftentimes if they're not, if you're not like looking to get value game one, they're there in your sideboard to give you value in your post board games. Yeah. Okay. We're going to skip the vast majority of the state of the game. Just <laughs> one thing I want to put on your radar okay. uh, for you to be thinking about this week uh, is Kaladesh Remastered. Comes yes. out November fifth. Yeah, that's so, like next week. It's it's the Thursday after the podcast comes out. It is actually a week after I edit this podcast and put it out. Wow. So, if you are like thinking about like buying packs or mm-hmm. cracking like or using some wild cards for a historic deck, right. you might want to hold off until. Kaladesh drops because they've not even announced what the Kaladesh remastered set is, have they? Like, there's no card no, file. No, no, they haven't. So, like, just like we got Thoughtseize and Collected Company in Amonkhet, right? Like, you know, Lord only knows what like random things are gonna put in Kaladesh. Oh man, what do you think we're gonna get? I mean, we've talked about like they could do the masterpieces so like you could see pithing needle yeah that'd be cool um like that's a card that would just be like reasonable to play in uh historic um you think they give a cell ring <laughs> we talked about this that they would instantly ban it in historic but put it in brawl <laughs> yeah i was trying to think like the swords maybe like, they're really good, but, like, I don't think they line up well in Historic currently. What about either of the Moxes? Um, Opal or Chrome? Chrome. Like, 
I feel like Chrome Mox is just busted. In, well, yeah, I mean, it's banned in modern. Well, it's busted in, like, goblins, right? Like, if all you're trying to do is, like, oh, cast yeah. Muxus as soon as Turbo possible. Muxus. Yeah. Yeah, you just go, like, fine, like, you play your two, you play your, you make two goblins on turn one. Like, you're just playing him on turn three or four every game. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I just remembered? What? So, I told you last week I was excited for Bomat Courier. Yeah. I forgot about the other card in Kaladesh that I'm super excited about. Scrap Heap Scrounger. Oh, yeah. Like, we'll get that for sure. Yeah. We'll get both of those cards for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm curious to see what, like, random things they put in. So, what else is a staple of Pioneer that we don't yet have? Because, like, Thought Seize, Collected Company... Was there anything else that we're like, we got uh, Sphinx's Rev, right? We have Sphinx's Rev. The first thing that I thought of that might not be a staple, but kind of is, is Bring Delight. Oh, yeah. Because like, that's like the backbone of the five-color Niv-Mizzet deck. Yeah. Which is That'd be cool. the kind of, I feel like this is the kind of magic that people want to play. Yeah. Like wild slash is gone down in like utility but i think wild slash to help the like to maybe make it so the red aggressive deck just isn't goblins Mm -hmm. um but like the format's so weird right like this is a format that has phyrexian tower (laughs) right like it's not like even remotely like close to like a reasonable representation of like well no but like a lot of the cards of similar power level Right, but like a lot of the cards that they added into Historic through Amonkhet Remastered were like Pioneer staple yeah, stuff. No, I agree. I agree, but it's just it's just hard. Like this is a format yeah. that has Muxus in it. And we're right. like trying to play a five mana card that might draw us three cards that is like <laughs> five colors. Yeah. While your opponent's like, Wah here I played my five mana. Five five that cast me five spells and now it has haste and I'm gonna attack you for forty. Right. I drew a thought seize and a bring delight. I, I drew a, <laughs> a thought erasure and a bring delight. It's like mm, not really mm. the same. Um. Yeah. I'm trying to. Right, like, like I don't feel like they'd give us anything to like prop up Lotus Field. What about uh, like dig through time, or treasure cruise? Those are both cards that make sense. And, like, we effectively have Delve already yeah. programmed in with the weird Saltai rare mm-hmm. from a Titan's Nest or something. Yeah. So, like, we already kind of have Delve. Right. So it's not like they couldn't just program it in. So, like, yeah, that's a card that's, like, sorely missing. Mm-hmm. Again, give me Balustrade Spy and Understanding Format, and then we'll have some real fun. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll make this, we'll make this happen, Wizards. Uh, okay, you... what about Inverter? They banned it. Not in Historic. <laughs> you are correct. Not in Historic. You know, they banned it in Pioneer, but you know it's probably fine. Historic. Well, I mean, it's... do you have time to set up an Inverter if you're getting Muxist? No, but like you would at least have counter spells. 
yeah an interaction i mean but it's a turn like unless you had counter spells like it's a turn too slow for uh neostorm yeah like that deck combos off on turn four a lot yeah like a surprising amount i think that uh is it whatever it is is it valakut exploration no valakut awakening or whatever the wheel the wheel yeah that card is secretly like an amazing combo card yeah like i didn't realize it but when you're just like you keep hands that are one combo piece in the wheel mm-hmm. and then on turn three you just get six new cards right and you're like oh i found my combo piece imagine that cool yeah i just drew a whole new hand i yeah. kept the one card i wanted and just drew a whole new hand because you're like uh opt play a cantripping creature draw a new hand combo you yep cool it's like oh you tapped out i'm sorry um yeah i'm trying to think what is like i haven't looked at the pioneer metagame in such a long time oh yeah i haven't either oh, 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 oh. give me satyr wayfinder oh i'm in that card we need satyr yep. wayfinder like that opens up like it might open up like some like mid-rangey decks to play against like muxus yeah, except then it like breaks Uro in half. Yeah, but like Uro as a mid range card Yeah. Isn't like played in in historic, it's, right? Yeah, that's true. Right? It's he's like a ramp card kind of. Yeah. But like you're trying to ramp and then you're getting like collected company, bolus is citadel. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. That's another thing like we haven't talked about, like it's been so long since anyone's like seriously played Pioneer, mm-hmm. right? Like, are like the sac or in Pioneer is like Jun sacrificed the best deck, but no one's played enough Pioneer to like come to that conclusion. I mean, maybe because like it does silly things, yeah. In historic, like right. you you lose Phyrexian Tower, but like it just does like ridiculous things and like Blood Artist. Blood Artist legal, or is Blood Artist from Innistrad? Blood Artist is not legal, but you have... Um, Zulaport Cutthroat. Zulaport Cutthroat, yeah. Yeah, so like it's like pretty close. Yeah. And like that deck is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, hopefully they like... I'm assuming they're just going to like dump the card, like dump the card file, or just like we're going to get an update. And it's just going to be like, oh, here's Catalytus Remastered. Yeah, I mean, we got Commander Legends spoilers all this week. Maybe we get Catalytus Remastered spoilers next week. Or Are, are they spoiling all of Commander Legends? Like, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know. It's supposed to be a really big set. I'm not sure what their timeline looks like. Because the set was already supposed to be out, right? Yeah, it got pushed back. Yeah. It is... You may, Wizards, have too many products... If you're overlapping spoiler seasons. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, they can't hype Kaladesh Remastered because they're hyping Commander Legends. And aren't we also getting um, Time Spiral Remastered in paper this month? I thought it was next year. Oh, I thought it was November. Oh, God. I thought it was, like, April of next year. Oh, I don't I, I could be way wrong. Gosh. 
that was one that when they spoiled it, I, when they said they were going to do that, I was like, who has been like, you know what I miss? <laughs> Time spiral. Time you know what spiral. I need? Wizard cycling. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. So. Oh, yeah. It's first quarter 21. Yeah. Okay. I was like, dear God, like they can't, they can't do this to us. <laughs> All right. We have hit the mythical, the magical. Two hour mark. Two hour mark. Yes. Well, I have one more arena thing to just say, and then we won't have to talk about the whole rest of the state of the game. Okay. Uh, this weekend is the arena open. Okay. So they made some changes to it. Day one, you can choose best of one or best of three, whereas in the past it has been just best of one. Uh, four wins, best of three, will cue you for day two. Uh, it's still seven wins for best of one. Um, I figured I should at least mention it real quick because if we wait till next week, it'll be too late since it's this weekend. Yeah. So, so there it is. <laughs> there it is. Arena open happening. Yep. With that, I think we have a show. We do have a show. So if you'd like to tweet us, you can get at us at Casual Tripod on Twitter. Yep. You can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can also drop us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Don't forget, if you're looking to pick up any singles, please use our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link, we'll get a small sliver of to help keep the show rolling. If you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Uh, patrons get access to our finance room and our Discord. They get access to our show notes. And they get a special pre-show recording that's mainly just us rambling. And people said they wanted to hear it, so we give it to them. Uh, you can do all that on Patreon. Whatever you feel like contributing to keep the show rolling is fine. You get all of the benefits at you know whatever dollar amount you feel like you can afford to throw our way. I mentioned our Discord briefly. Make sure if you want to chat with some like-minded individuals, hit up our Discord server. There's a link in the description. There's a link on Twitter. There's a link on Facebook. If you can't get in for some reason, uh, get a hold of us on Facebook or send them a message or whatever, and we will send you a personalized invitation link to get you in there. If you guys have any show ideas, topics that you want to hear about, make sure you let us know. Uh, I think we're going to be a little bit late on content through the end of the year. So keep that in mind. If there's anything you guys want to hear about, deck building stuff, um, card choice stuff, card evaluation stuff, finance stuff. Let us know so we can build an episode around it. Uh, one more thing that I forgot to mention in the early episode. Tell your friends about us. We, we like doing the show and we'd like to see it get a little bit bigger. So tell your friends, anyone that you like your play groups or whatever, let them know about the show. Give them a link. Invite them in. We'd love to grow the family a little bit top 25 podcast you should listen to yeah number 18 casual tryhard mtg tell them that that's right you know what you're Send missing out on the top 25 baby 18 we're better than seven people take that amazing we're coming for number one i'm telling you <laughs> i'm looking forward to working out of my house and just playing magic and sharing my thoughts i uh, would love to see that feels good let's get jerry and brian in here yeah, we are. We already have a Brian. So, we, and your name begins with a J. They won't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> J G, whatever. 
Yeah, we should, yeah. It sounds like a J. It's fine. Yeah, sure. Just, just slide it. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Good James. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Arena Necklace Podcast. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to say that, are we? <laughs> hey, it's fine. It's fine. Maybe, maybe I should like put that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Good James. Gotcha. Yeah. Ha. <laughs> There you go. There's the theme song. We're done. Uh, <laughs> and with that, we will catch you on the internet. We'll catch you on the internet. It was long. We got punchy, folks. <laughs> Oh, man. It always goes long, doesn't it? It does.